The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Well, good morning. Hey, before we jump into things, I just want to say thank you to a couple of people. That video was awesome. And uh, there's two people who serve behind the scenes to make all these things possible. So Josh Hurd and Matt Smith. So if you guys, if we could just thank those two guys. Those two guys do so much for our church, and you just get to see a sliver of it. I love those guys. Thank you for serving our church in this way. All right, so for those of you who don't know me, my name's Craig, and I'm really excited this morning. I'm also a little terrified because of what we're going to be talking about, but I'm super excited to be kicking off this series with you this morning. Uh, Does anybody remember DTRs? Yeah, DTRs. I went to a college where having a DTR was a really big thing. It was just all over the place. Everybody had DTRs all the time. And for those of you who don't know what a DTR is, a DTR is defining the relationship. And so I want you to think of this this series as a sort of DTR. This is where we as a church, we say, hey, this is who we are. Because we're calling this series Things We Love because there's no better way to know what someone is like than to study what they love. See, love for adrenaline, that's the only reason someone would jump out of a plane. Love for country is why men and women sacrifice everything and go overseas. And so what we love powerfully shapes us. Uh, The philosopher Jamie Smith says it like this. He says this, people aren't just brains on a stick. All right? Think about that for a second. You don't just need information. It's not just like, okay, like, let's just download this information. Got it. We're good. All right? We don't want to do that with this series. We want, we want to show you who we are and what we love so that it stirs up within you a love for those things as well. So, I mean, just what Matt said earlier, like, we're a new church. We launched Valentine's Day 2016. So if you've been with us from the beginning, it's been a wild ride. Like things happen so fast. Like, woof, I I have so much more gray hair from now than I did 2016. It just is lightning fast. And so if you've been with us from the beginning, what we're hoping this series does, this little DTR of sorts, is it reminds you who we are. Hey, this is, this is what we're headed towards. Uh, we, we just finished up a marriage series. And one of the things Matt said in that series was friendship is when two people come together and they look at a common horizon and they say, hey, that's where we're headed. So for those of you who've been here for a while, this is what that is. This is that common horizon. Hey, this is what we love, and this is where we're headed towards. We want to remind you why, why you're here. What are we doing? And for those of you who are new and checking out Story City, we want, to, we want to just show you our cards. Like, hey, this is who we are. This is what we love. And if you're going to be a part of this, this is, this is where we're going. And, and if you're not a Christian here, you, you're just somehow a friend dragged you here, this is for you as well. I want you to consider this series an invitation. We want you to taste and see that the Lord is good through this series. So for the next seven weeks, we're going to be saying, this is who we are. This is what we love. We're going to be looking at such things like God's word. Why do we love God's word? We don't, we don't just want to give you facts about God's word. Like, this is the Bible. You should like it. Like we, want you to, we want you to really love God's word. We're going to be talking about the gospel. What's the gospel? What's that all about? That's like this Christianese word everyone keeps saying around here. I don't, I don't get what that means. We're talking about the city. We love this city. We want you to love it as well. We're talking about worship and creativity. So those are all the things we're going toward. But I can't think of a better topic to kick off this series today than God. So that's what we're going today. Today, we're going to be talking about 
God. And I have, a, I have a vision, a hope for today. This is my hope, okay? At 11.45-ish, we're all going to leave here. I don't have a clock, so you're all in trouble. So we're all going to leave here around 11.45. And my prayer, I've been praying this all week. God, I pray that they love you more at 11.45 than when they came in this room. All right? I can't do that. I just want to say that. But God's spirit can. So we're going to pray that God, through the teaching of his word, he would show up in his spirit and awaken our hearts. So as we look at who our God is, we, we, we are, our affections are arose, okay? I don't even know if that was a sentence, but we want you to love God, okay? And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at three little words. We're going to be in 1 John 4, but we're just going to really look at three little words. Three little words that are super important. They shape your life. God is love. Simple, right? We're going to do what uh, Warren Buffett's sidekick, Charlie Munger, he's a guy that runs Costco, which I love. Great samples. Just, it's a fun date with your wife, <laughs> if you're cheap. But Charlie Munger once said this. A business insider was asking him the secret to his success. Hey, how do you do so well? And this is what he said. I take a simple idea and I take it seriously. So that's what we're going to do today. A simple idea. Something I'm sure everyone in this room has heard before. God is love. We're going to take that simple idea and we're going to take it really seriously today. All right. So here, this sermon this morning is going to have three movements. All right. There's going to be three parts of this sermon, Bob. I'm, really, I'm, I'm going to be clear so that you don't get lost like I usually lose you. I'm sorry. All right. This is the movement. Part one. God is love. We're going to be looking at who is God. God is love. What does that mean? I'm going to just show you my cards up front. I think when John says God is love, that's shorthand for him saying God is Trinity. That the God of Scripture is revealed to us as Father, Son, and Spirit. So we're going to be looking at that. That's the part of the service that scares me to death, okay? Uh, there's an old saying that says uh, something like, if you deny the Trinity, you lose your soul. If you try to explain it, you lose your mind. And so this morning, I'm going to try to avoid both of those pitfalls, okay? So we're going to be looking at what does this mean that God is Trinity, that he's always existed in perfect love, harmony, and community between Father, Son, and Spirit. Once we understand that, once we get to who God is, we're going to move into the gospel. How does understanding God is love shape our view of the gospel? And this is where we're going there. I want you to know that God is not just a traffic cop. The gospel is not just get God off your back, you know, get off the hook and you're free to go. No, no, no. If God is love, if that's who he is, that totally changes everything about the gospel. I'm going to say this. The gospel is about God going public with that love. He's trying to spread that love to the ends of the universe. And that changes how you think about how you relate to God. And then after we move into that, those two things that I want you to see, there's going to be some follow-up, some homework some application. So what we're going to be doing today is after we see those things and we love those things, we behold our God and what he's done for us, we're going to move into how do we as a church love one another? Because the passage, the point of the passage we're going to be looking at is that, hey, love one another. And John makes a crazy statement, like totally bonkers. He says this, when you as a church love one another, you make an invisible God visible. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to, how do we show this city God? Okay, so that's a tall order, but it's important. How you finish the sentence, God is, 
touches everything in your life, okay? God is, he's, he's distant. He doesn't care. He's irrelevant. Well, that's, if, if you think that about God, you're not going to go to him for fulfillment. You're not going to look to him for love and joy. He's irrelevant. He's off playing golf somewhere. I don't know why people believe in God. Like, why do we find significance in that? That's irrelevant. What about God is power? You see, we have a tendency as human beings to, to create God in our own image, right? We have a tendency to, like, so the Vikings, for example. Uh, the Vikings worshipped God, but their God was a warrior God. He was the God that could out-Odin Odin, all right? Kind of easy to see how they got that, right? They just made a God in their own image. Hitler, even, goodness, even Adolf Hitler worshipped God, right? But who was Hitler's God? Hitler finished this sentence, God is power. Can you see how that influenced what he did? Power became the greatest thing in the universe. This is where we're going today. I want you to see this. By saying God is love, makes love the center of the universe, and that impacts everything we do. If love is the most important thing in the universe, it's the very heart of the universe, it's the very heart of God, it's who he is, that has major implications on the way you work and play. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read our text, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive right in, okay? So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 John 4. 1 John 4, and I'm going to be starting in verse 7. Here we go. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever doesn't love doesn't know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Hey, this is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Oh, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you would use a broken vessel. I pray you would use me to preach your word. I pray that our eyes would be drawn to your word, and by looking at your word, we would behold our God. God, we don't just need information today. We don't just need facts about you. We need to see you. We need to, we need to behold our God. We need to see the king in his beauty and God, I pray that your spirit would do that. Open our eyes, Lord. God, I pray that you would just awaken within us just a heart that loves you. I pray our affections would be stirred, Lord. I pray every single person in this room would love you more because your word was preached and your spirit showed up. God, I ask all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So the first movement of this sermon, the first place we're going is this. We need to experience the love of the triune God of Scripture. We need to experience the love of the triune God of Scripture. Why do I say that? Why do I say experience and not know? See, John, John uses the word right here. He says, hey, dear friends, let's love one another because everyone who has been born of God and knows God loves, right? He's trying to get his people toward this end of loving. But he says knows, and there's two Greek words for know. 
One just means facts, like I know all the facts. And the other one means like, I know this. Like I have walked into a hurricane and I got wet. Uh, Mark Twain has a great, has a great illustration of this. Uh, he says, everybody knows what it's like to, to pick up a cat by the tail, right? But only people who've picked up a cat by the tail know what it's like to pick up a cat by the tail. <laughs> and that's what John wants you to do today. He wants you to know God. He wants you to experience God. And so he just makes this statement. He makes this amazing statement that is just a culmination of all of the revelation of Scripture just packed up into three little words. God is love. See, John is going to make the point, and, and he's totally right. Everything you need to know about God, absolutely everything, is summarized in those three words. God is love. Okay? And what John is saying, I made this claim, now I'm going to show you. This is where... I could lose my mind, or you could lose your mind. Somebody's going to lose their mind. By saying God is love, John really is trying to point his readers and us to this fact, God is Trinity. He is a triune God. Father, Son, Spirit, three people, one God. Now think about this. Let's unpack this for just a second, okay? Let's present two scenarios of two different gods, right? Over here, we have one God. And he is all by himself, just one person. There's nobody else around him. Could we really say that that God is love? No, we couldn't. We could say that that God likes love. See, love needs an object. And this God has no one to love. It's just him. So he, he may long for love. He may even learn how to love. But he doesn't actually love until he has someone to love. So this God actually cannot be love. So if we have God who's unipersonal, one person, like there's no hope that we can say God is love because there was a time when that God existed without love. He'd be needy. He's like, oh, I really want to love. I, I got I to gotta make people so I can love them. That actually puts power before love. So if you get down to the basement of who that God is, he's a God of power. Over here, our other scenario of who God is. This is the God of scripture, that in eternity past, God existed perfectly, in perfect union between Father, Son, and Spirit, loving each other, glorifying each other, living in perfect harmony and joy. That God is love. Why? Because there's never a time when that God wasn't experiencing and, and giving and just living in this circle of love. That God is our only hope for love. So when John says God is love, he's really saying God is Trinity. That's who our God is. And some of you are like, is this really important? Like, I mean, is this really essential for Christians to believe that, that God is Trinity? It's confusing. And uh, one of my favorite scholars, his name is Lake Duncan, uh, someone asked him this question. Hey, is it, is it essential that Christians believe in the Trinity? And Lake Duncan just had a really clever remark. And it was like one of those things that's so clever. It's like, oh, I wish I said that. That was awesome. Uh, someone said, hey, Lake, is is the Trinity essential for the gospel? And he said, that's like asking, is your wife essential to your marriage? You see, this is who our God is. And if we're going to have a relationship with him, we need to know who he is and how he's revealed himself. So Jesus, Jesus, from the very words of Jesus in John 17, John 17, 5, Jesus is about to go to the cross, but he's praying his high priestly prayer. What does he say? Father, Glorify me with the glory that we shared before the world was created. 
See that? He's talking about this God over here. Hey, before we made anybody, we had this joy, this union, this love. He's, and where's the Holy Spirit in that? Well, Paul in Romans 5 makes this statement. He's talking about salvation. Once we've been saved, what does Paul say salvation is? That the love of God is poured out in our hearts, just like if I dumped that water, poured out in our hearts when he gave us the Holy Spirit. Paul's thinking just like John, since God is love, when we got love in our hearts, that's we got the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So the Holy Spirit, who he is, is he's the love. He's a person of the Trinity, and he's the love holding everything together, the glue of the joy between the Father's delight in the Son and the Son's delight in the Spirit. It's a, love is a person. You see, God is love speaks to God's nature. God, Listen to what John says. John doesn't say God is loving. John doesn't say God likes the idea of love. No, he is love. That means God cannot not love. It's who he is. Do you see why it's so important how you finish that sentence? God is. If your hope in this life is God is a judge, that colors everything about how you relate to him. Certainly God is a judge, but God is not judge. That is not his core identity. That's not the basement. That's not the ground level of who God is. God is love, okay? And that's so important to see that. It's so important to see that first because when we understand God as love, not just loving, but he is himself love, that completely changes the gospel. That completely changes the gospel. So as we move into the second movement of our sermon, God is, we need to first experience the triune God of scripture. Now we need to embrace the gospel as the fact of God spreading that love. You see, God, if God is love and doesn't need anything, he's not a needy God who creates us so he can love us. He says, hey, let's spread this. Let's let others experience this. Let's, that Jonathan Edwards, the great theologian said it was like this, to spread God's love is the end for which God made the world. So the gospel is God's love going public. Now, John makes this statement in verses 10 and 11. This is what, uh, or excuse me, 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love. This is how God revealed his love. This is how God went public with his love. This is how God, who couldn't keep his love contained, let it explode out. What did he do? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Okay, so what does love do? Sends his son, sacrifices. You see, I think a lot of us, and I include myself in this, we think of God as the divine traffic cop. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna brag for a second, all right? I've lived in LA now for like six years, right? Six-ish years, all right? I've never gotten a ticket. Yeah. Even a parking ticket. Thank you for asking. Yeah, nothing. I one time, I one time did run a red light and they took a picture of me, but I just threw it away and nothing happened. <laughs> but that's the closest I've gotten, except for this story. So uh, everyone, I don't know, has anybody in here seen the church van? Yeah, it's a big, white, creepy whale of a vehicle. It's humongous, right? So we, in our apartment, we have a garage, and that thing does not fit in the garage. So I have to park it on the street. That's where the tickets come in, right? 
So Wednesday at 8, got to move the van, right? So I had some people over. We were eating breakfast. We just kind of got caught up in conversation. It's 8.06. Uh, I'm probably fine, right? Like they, 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 you know, they give you time. Like the, the meter maid isn't like right there at 8 o'clock. So I'm, I'm letting everybody go. They're, they're leaving. And I head out. And I turn the corner. I see no cars except that big white whale. And there's a Jeep beside it. And with orange lights flashing. So I booked it. I had a table in my hand, and I just ran, like, really fast, uphill. Like, hey, wait, 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 wait. I finally get there. I'm like, please, please, can I move it right now? Can I move it now? And this, she was about to hit print, right? Like, she's right there. And she goes, fine. And she drives away. It was beautiful. It was lovely. It was awesome, right? <laughs> Stuff never happens to me. I never win anything. But I finally I got out of a ticket, right? <laughs> Let me tell you what happened on my walk back to the apartment. I was grateful. I was super grateful. I was thinking on the way back, I was like, oh my gosh, I just saved 50 bucks. That's like making 50 bucks. I wonder what I'm going to buy with my 50 bucks. <laughs> this is awesome, right? And I was like, that lady, that was so cool. That was really nice of her to do that. I bet she didn't have to do that. But can I tell you one thing that I didn't do? I didn't love that traffic cop. No, I can't. Why would I love her? It's super weird. Our relationship isn't based on love. It's based on, hey, you broke a law. I let you off the hook. Thanks. See, if God is the same, if God is just a divine traffic cop, you'll never love him. Never. You won't. Why would you? He just let you off the hook. Cool. Thanks, God. But no. God is not the divine traffic cop. Remember our sentence? God is love. And so the gospel is that love in action. It's that love going public. It's him sending his son, and what the NIV says, as an atoning sacrifice for your sins. Now, we're going to get into it in a second with the NIV. The NIV is a wonderful translation. Most times when I preach here, I'd like to preach from it. It's great. I think it does a great job of being close to the original text and yet also being very readable. However, in this one instance, I believe the NIV kind of punted it a little bit. Does anyone know what atonement is? No, it's not. It's not a word we normally use in just daily conversation. Like, oh, hey, Craig, like, what, are you, what are you most grateful for in your relationship with God? I'm super grateful for the atonement. Like, that would just, I feel like I'd have different relationships if that was how it went. All right, but atonement is a really easy word to understand what it means. And I promise you, none of you will forget what it means after I explain it, okay? Uh, English sometimes works like this. Atonement is made up of three English words, okay? Here we go. At, one, meant. Okay, those are three words, at, one, meant. Meant, the status of being something. So an improvement is the status of being improved. Atonement is the status of being at one. At one. The gospel is not about you getting off the hook. The gospel is about you being united to God. God had this relationship before time began. Father pouring out his love on the Son. The Son pouring out his love on the Spirit. The Spirit loving both of them, holding that love together. And he invites you into that relationship. You see, sin, that's what it says. He, we have to, he's the atoning sacrifice for what? For sin. Sin is a bump in the road in your relationship with God. Sin separates us from God, but God sends his son to bring you back. That's the gospel. 
You can love a God like that. You can love a God who at great cost to himself, he, he sent his son. He, he took that relationship, that special relationship, and he went public with it. You can love a God like that, who didn't, who didn't just get you off the hook, but gave you his one and only, his unique son, his special son, his special son in whom he was well pleased. That creates love. The third movement of our sermon. <laughs> Once we see who God is, he's love, he's trinity. He needs nothing. He cannot not love. He existed in eternity past in perfect community, perfect harmony, perfect joy, perfect love. No strife. Not the father being like, hey, I'm better than you two. Not the son being like, you know, this is all about me. Not the spirit like, hey, guys, what about me? No, no. Perfect union, perfect unity. Three persons, one God. And then he takes that love and says, let's go public with this. Let's let other people experience this and invite them into it. And now, here's the takeaway with this. This is where it gets kind of bonkers. All right? Has anyone lost their mind yet? Still here. Okay. I'm just going to assume that. No one said anything. So God wants us to love one another because God is love. And when we love each other, we're showing the world God. They get to see God. Let me show you where I get that. That's from verse... Uh, 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, so since God loved us in this way, he gave, he sent, we need to love one another. Why? Because no one's ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. So I think we need to see how amazing it is that John is writing this. Like just the person of John writing this. When John is introduced in the Gospels, he and his brother are introduced as the sons of thunder. All right, they're angry dudes. You ever been around an angry person? John probably could have topped them off. He was a really angry person. Uh, there's, a, there's a situation in the Gospels in Luke 9 where Jesus is headed into Jerusalem and they want to go through Samaria, but the Samaritans are like, ah, oh, you need to go around. And uh, John's like, okay, uh, Jesus, I have a plan. Let's call down fire and kill all these people. <laughs> and Jesus rebukes him. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's the guy that's saying to you, God is love. He's trying to get people to love one another. Think about how John, the son of thunder, would have done that. Hey, love one another, or I'm going to knock some skulls. Hey, love one another, or I'm going to be angry at you. No, no, no. Love one another because God said so. I would challenge you, anyone in this room, I would be happy to do this with you. Show me anywhere in scripture where it just says, just do something, just do this. Why? Because God said so. That's not how scripture works. There's always, there's always a theology behind that. Hey, keep the 10 commandments. Why? Because I'm the Lord your God who loved you and brought you out of Egypt. There's always, love precedes relationship. And so John is able to say, love one another. Why? Because God is love because he's been transformed by this love. Back at the beginning of this passage, he says this, everyone who loves has been born of God. So think about God the Father. God is a father. Fathers are people who beget children. Fathers have kids, okay? And those kids are like their fathers, okay? So I, I'm a dad. I have a son, Jet. Jet is like me because I'm his father. He listens to music really loud, and he cries when he's tired, okay? 
Jet is not like Elon Musk. Jet is not like LeBron James. Jet is like me because I'm his father. And so John makes this point. Hey, when, when, we, when, we come to, when we repent of our sins and trust in Jesus, we become children of God. And when we become children of God, we become like our father. And what do we start doing? We love. Why? Because our father is love. See how love is the most important thing in the universe? Love is central. And now John is saying this, so love one another to put God on display. Make an invisible God visible. The, the whole idea of God is love, and then the fact that we need to love others as a result of that means that when I love you, I'm showing others God. Not showing them like what God is like. I'm actually showing them God. Here's the gospel in this passage. The gospel in this passage is that we weren't loving God. We weren't. But he loved us anyway. He loved us in spite of that. So some of you might be here and you're not Christians. And you're like, listen, this is lovely. This whole talk of God is love, I get that. But like, you don't get it. You don't know what I've done. I haven't, I've been doing, I could give you a grocery list of all the awful things I've done that you, have, you don't even heard of these terrible things. And what John says in this passage is all that does is qualify you to receive God's love. He doesn't love you because you're worth it. He doesn't love you because of how incredible you are and what you can offer him because he's so needy. He loves you to invite you into this love relationship called the Godhead. That's the gospel. So, if you're here today and you're not a Christian and you're really feeling like, I, I don't know what to do, here's what you can do. You can, you can, after seeing this God, you can cry out like, God, I don't get it. I don't understand, but I want to get it. Please help me understand. Those steps, I'm taking those steps, are ways that you will start to slowly experience that. And Anselm, the great uh, saint, called that faith-seeking understanding. Like, God, I, I don't get it but I want to. Help me. And there are people here who've experienced God's love who would love to walk with you in that season. We don't want you to do that alone. But the second thing that this whole passage does is it makes relationships really important. Crazy important. If God is, let's say, almighty, that sums up who he is. All you need to know and understand about God is that he's almighty. You know what becomes the most important thing in the world? Power. So, what should you do since power is the most important thing in the world? You should try to get it at all costs. You should work your butt off so you can amass power, so you can have wealth, and so you can enjoy it. But no, God is love, and that makes relationships the most important thing in the world. See, God calls us into relationship because he himself is in relationship with the Godhead. Relationships aren't optional for the Christian life. There is no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. You can't do this on your own because you weren't made to do it on your own. You were made to experience atonement. You were made to be reconciled back to this God. And what that does is it creates this love just like God couldn't contain his love. You can't contain that love. You need an object to love as well. So who do you love? Each other. Paul says, John says, love one another. And it's not loving one another to earn. It's like, I got to prove it. I got to prove it. Uh, John uses twice in this phrase, dear friends. He starts out, dear friends, love one another, dear friends. 
Uh, that phrase, dear friends, doesn't, doesn't actually say dear friends. It's the noun form of the verb love. He's saying this, loved ones. Ones who are loved. Not by John, I don't think. By God. See, love reshapes your identity. And out of that identity, out of that new birth, you love one another and you put God on display. Uh, I have a, a hero who, uh, he describes Christianity as a, a suicidal death cult. And, and he doesn't mean that we commit suicide. What he means is that as Christians, we're really quick to just like turn on ourselves and like apologize. Like, yeah, you're right. Christians are really stupid. I, I don't know what we're thinking. I'm so sorry. What, if we believe this passage though, I think that can change how we approach our interactions with people who don't believe. I don't, instead of like constantly being like apologetic or even like, uh, Hey, this is what we're not. We're not these things. You need to know us by what we're not. We can turn that around and be positive. Hey, this is who we are. We're love. We are loved ones. Love shapes our identity. You actually give someone something to come into. Don't, get, like, don't present your Christianity. Here's all the things I'm against. I don't like this. I don't like this. I definitely don't like that. Oh, that's bad. Uh, no. The, the, the gospel is about a God who himself is love and spreads that. So we, as his people, who are born of that God, need to be about spreading that love, showing people God. So I also think what that does, just another way of how we can show people that, is it breaks down this whole us versus them thing. Like, okay, I, I'm saved, I'm pretty holy, and all the them out there, they're not, so we're not going to hang out with them. No, no, no. If you see the gospel as a God who is love, who needed nothing, and he spread that love, he gave it to you, that creates a deep humility when you look at other people. It's not us versus them. It's, hey, I want you to experience this too. This is a love so deep, so great, it changes everything. It touches your relationships. It touches the way you work. It touches everything about your life. I want you to experience that. Come, experience that. We don't have a place for us versus them. So as we close, as we wrap this up, I just want to say that what we love shapes us. That's what we started out. And so we want to say, this, this is the part where it just, it, if you think about this a lot, you'll have to take a walk. I took a lot of, lo a lot of walks this week. Um, but we said earlier in the service, like we are what we love. We want to love God. We, and God himself is love. Okay, that can just become this like loop that you just get lost in. But what we love shapes us. And we love love. Let that shape you. Don't let your sin identify you. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You're a love machine. You don't even know it. And you need other people just to fan the flames of that love. So why don't we do this? Why don't we just like focus on our God? Why don't we just like bask in the sun of who he is and let's stir up that love so that we go out as a community who spreads that love. Not who spreads what we're against, but to invites people into the dance of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you do use imperfect vessels. I thank you that you are love. You're not loving, you are love. And that nothing that we do can change that, Lord. But you offer us that love, you invite us into that by your grace. So Lord, I pray if there are people here who don't know you, who haven't experienced that yet, I pray that you give them the courage to just tap their neighbor on their shoulder and ask them about it. Come to one of us. Lord, we want your love to spread throughout Burbank. We want Burbank to be a different place because you put us here. Father, thank you for your love. 
And I pray that as we continue to worship you, um, both through singing and through communion, that your Holy Spirit would just assure us of the love that you've given us through the gospel. We ask all these things in his name. Amen.